All right, McFarland, welcome everybody. Thanks to McFarland for launching another podcast, Bradford Show. This is a very special one. Um, so to set the scene, uh, we have my guy Coop here, who we're over at Fenway. Coop will break down uh, what you great saw. day today. Great I got a good, I got a good base layer for, for the summer. Yeah, yeah. got listen, that Irish skin cooking. Listen, there's no better way to, to to burn your skin than in the bleachers at Fenway. Uh, and, and we're honored to be joined by Chris Donahue, who I have actually met in person randomly. So Chris, um, before we get to sort of your backstory, uh, I'll just tell you how I ended up meeting you. Right. Correct. Right. So this was, this was in Fort Myers and somebody said, Hey, why don't you go get a baseball? I was out walking to my car. I'm like, well, you know, I like free stuff. So it was in the, there was a backfield and people were hitting it over the fence. And so I'm like walking over there. And then I saw Alex Cora randomly. He was the only one shagging fly balls out there. So I stopped and talked to him. And then, and Chris, you came out with your son. What's your son's name? His, his name is Max. Okay. 11 years old. So obviously for, for, for Max, it was like, oh my goodness, you know, this is, this is what a playground this is, chasing balls hit by major leaguers, right? right. And we struck up a conversation, and, uh, and it turns out, you know, you were there to see Garrett Whitlock, and we're going to get into sort of your history with Garrett, your relationship with Garrett, um, how much you paid Garrett. <laughs> uh, and, but the, the funniest thing about that, that whole story really was, well, it wasn't funny, but you and I were talking, and, and Cora, you know, who obviously, Chris, I've known for a while, he knows that I'm always looking for stories, right? Right. So he hears he hears you talking about Garrett. You hear some talking about your backstory with Garrett, and he turns and he's literally tell me if I'm wrong. He literally turns his body toward us, like toward the fence, and said, "There's a story. There's a story." And the next thing you know, boom, <laughs> <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> I mean. So he gets hit by, I think it was a fly ball from Kike Hernandez, who was taking BP. But Chris, right. you can attest, like, so guys get hit in BP. You, uh, you know, you're a former baseball player. We're getting to that as well. But, I mean, not a lot of times do a guy get hit by a fly ball in BP where he goes to the ground like Cora did, right? <laughs> I thought it hit him in the kidneys, and I was like, oh, no. Man, I hope it didn't get you in the kidneys. You all right? Well, that's that's where I knew you knew like that you, you probably were an athlete because you knew the different various injuries and in the body parts because you know like <laughs> that got you in the kidney. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, so that's how we were introduced. Um, but and then obviously, you know, you went. I think Garrett was pitching that day over at Hammond Stadium, correct? So he was pitching the Twins, and we thought he was pitching at JetBlue, and that's uh, it was serendipitous that we were even there. Yeah, listen. Listen, your son got a bunch of free baseballs, and you got a great story about the the manager of the Red Sox being nailed by the kid. <laughs> it was God, I hate to happen to Alex, but man, it was a story. <laughs> um, all right, all right, here we go, here we go. All right, Garrett Whitlock, uh, we've had him on the podcast a couple times. Um, always, always one of our favorites. Going back to last year, the first time I talked to him, you could tell sort of the type of guy he was. And, and also, he had along the way, he's had some good stories about you know, learning the change from Man and Dries, you know, taking up chess because of Adam Adovino, uh, 
you know, just, I, yeah, he talked about, you know, the, there was one time, Chris, where he talked about, he came off the, the mound, and he showed all kinds of emotion. I said, when's the last time you showed that emotion? He's like, probably when I was coming off the mound for after in high school for, I think it was Providence Christian, you know? So, right. right. He doesn't, he's not like an emotional guy. And which, by the way, after the game uh, in Detroit that he closed out, he was on the radio broadcast with the guys and his, well, he actually said, his wife wants to show him to show more emotion, which I thought was, you know, okay, here we go. Now we're getting to the bottom of the game. Now we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Chris, so just take us through um, uh, sort of your history with Garrett, if you could. Your own history, which includes, by the way, facing former um, first-round pick Ricky Williams, right? Correct? Right. I mean, running back Ricky Williams. But take yeah. Us through, take us through – you're 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 in uh, Alabama right now, correct? Right. Okay. Right. So take us through sort of your history and, and uh, how you met Garrett and and your history with him. Okay, so Garrett, uh, I got a text from one of the coaches at uh, UAB saying, "Hey, I want to give uh, Garrett Whitlock your number. He needs a job for the summer." I said, "Oh, sure." And he was a pretty good pitcher at UAB, so I knew who he was. And he, of course, he texted Mr. Donahue, "Would you?" Uh, do you mind if I uh, try and come work for you for the summer? I was like, sure. And I, I always want to help the, the young folks, especially in the, the baseball players. I said, yeah, come on. Come on and work. And so he this was 2017. And so he comes on. And, you know, for us, he came to be a porter to, you know, go chase cars. And to, to jobs. clarify, I should have done this before, but you run car dealerships. I, I'm sorry, yeah. Donahue Autos in Pelham, Alabama. We run mainly pre-owned uh, vehicles there. We have a Chevrolet dealership, too. But where he worked was where we did all the pre-owned vehicles. And we, you know, we moved 300 to 400 cars a month through there. So he was on the move all the time. And, you know, I, I attribute Garrett like a good umpire. You just don't know he's there, right? Because he's always doing the right things. So, uh, you know, I would see him here and there, but he was always hustling and our service manager nicknamed him Strike Zone, so which I thought was great. So everyone around there called him Strike Zone, um, and he just—I mean—he just fit in, though. You know, I mean, and and just like he would now. I mean, the kid is just gold, and he was gold back then, and he's gold now. And th- there's not a whole lot to say about him except for if you have a daughter, that's who you want her to marry, right? A guy like that that just—you know—he's just. He's just gold. I don't. I, it's, I, I love coming on here bragging about him because it's just you know you love to brag on people. Um, but yeah, and then through the years, the past two or three years, he came back. He got drafted by the Yankees, and then when he finished that season, like, hey, can I come back and work in October through Christmas? And so he came back, worked, did I mean, the this same is, thing. Chris, this is like two thousand, probably twenty, right? Two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, two thousand eighteen. Okay, right, and then. He, he sent me a text. He said, hey, Mr. Chris, I got invited to captain's camp with the Yankees, So, which was a pretty big honor at the time for him. Only 12 pitches were going. So I was like, man, get out of here. Get down to Fort or wherever it was, Tampa or wherever he was going. I said, get to work. And, um, you know, that happened. And then, you know, he, had, he was in Trenton and then sent me another text when Trenton season was over, which was double A, and said, hey, I got one more year. And, uh, you know, and then about that time is when I think uh, Tommy John came in and then COVID started. And then we just kind of, you know, exchanged text and, you know, met for lunch, that kind of stuff. 
Um, but you, you know, it was just you move cars with one arm after doing. No, that. no, 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 no. <laughs> he, I think he ended up doing landscaping or something when that was finished, and you know, because we didn't really have anything during COVID because it was just pretty much everything shut down. So, you know, that's when he started doing other things and getting ready, and you know, and I just kept up with him. You know, kept up with him in his life and on Instagram, and he actually worked out maybe five minutes from my car lot. So where he worked out, did all his bullpens and got you know strength back from Tommy John. So you know, was so during not to interject there, but any time when he was going through Tommy John, it, was he ever dejected or was he always just like kind of confident in that he's going to come out of this? You know, maybe even better than what he was before. I think he was confident. I don't think he lacked confidence, but he was down because they had to take the um, take it out of his hamstring for his uh, Tommy John surgery. So he was walking around, gimping on one right leg or gimping on the left leg and the right. So it looked like he just, just babying the, the arm right. and everything. It looked like he'd been a horrible yeah. car accident. You know, it was just it was pretty funny. The story tells he was like, oh, it was just miserable for you know two months having to deal with that. But you know, kid's strong and just yep. young and just. I mean, it didn't take him long to get back at it. Well, so Chris, so you tell us a little bit about your history. So you played, like you said, you pitched at UAB, same place Garrett did. Uh, you played some professional baseball, correct? Correct. Okay. So yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say I I got drafted to high school as a draft and follow back you know back then, and and I went to junior college in Florida, Santa Fe Community College. Uh, stayed there a couple of years. I never really had the velocity. So I just, you know, I went to UAB after that. And then I got signed by the Red Sox after my senior year to go basically pitch in Lowell, Massachusetts, fill a roster spot, uh, left-handed, you know, as a left-handed pitcher. So, you know, that helped, right? Got there, uh, had a pretty good year, but still I kind of knew, you know, I, this wasn't going to be my future. I just – tell you today, if I, was, if I was trying to pitch today the way I threw 20 years ago, I, I don't know if I would have made it past high school the way these guys are throwing today, <laughs> but uh, I had a pretty good hook and just, you know. So the first, the first, the first guy you faced was Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. A, a teammate of mine. It was, was his teammate. I think it was the Phillies organization. I can't remember which New York Penn league team it was, but I remember him getting in the box and I'm a pretty big college football guy. And I was like, man, and the dude had some legs on him, buddy. <laughs> and he had a ground ball to shortstop routine and beat that sucker out like it was nothing. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess I've made it if I'm pitching to him. Well, so so you talk about Garrett. So you have a, a unique perspective, like when he's drafted, right? It's one thing to go through college and be working, but he's drafted. Like, these, obviously, as we know, minor leaguers don't get paid a lot of money, right? right. So, you know, this comes back to sort of, as I said, when he signs the contract the other day, just the other day, I think he made reference to this. It wasn't that long ago where he's just trying to make ends meet. And, like, that's basically you, – you were witness to that. Strike zone was going from car to car trying to make ends meet, like, just yesterday, right? Oh, it's just the story of bringing a tear to your eye if you think about it. I just – man, they, yeah. So, I mean, he was working at probably the lowest position at our dealership uh, because it was a, you know, it was a transitional job because he knew he wasn't staying. And, so, yeah, he just needed some, you know, he's about to get married, you know, start his life. And, and at that point, you know, you know how baseball works. There's no certainty. <laughs> you know, he was an arm injury away from, you know, 
possibly doing what he was doing at a little higher level. But anyway, so yeah, what he was doing, it's just amazing to think about when I saw him come across of his contract and then thinking about that text, he sent me, Hey, you got a job for me for the summer for, for Christmas. I was like, Oh man, what an American so, story. So what, so when was the, the, when was like, and you said maybe, you know, the, after Tommy John, he was working landscaping a little bit, but for you, what was his last day that you remember him being on the Donu auto uh, lot? Like when was the he last? He sent me that text and we just happened to be there the same day. And he was in the front, and I, w- I walked out in the front and saw him. And I was like, look, man, this the opportunity you have, I mean, is just incredible. And that was, so, when, that was when he was invited to go up to, with, with the Yankees to – This is right before captain's camp, right, where he was going to go in and they had some high aspirations for him. He's throwing the ball well. And, you know, I mean, he just looked like – it was looking good for him. And so, I mean, like I said, I've been following him, and I was excited. I, you know, the kid's 6'5", and – Seven four wingspan. I mean, I was like, he's got a shot, you know, just by physicality alone, on top of what he can do. And I knew his demeanor. And I was like, this this fits, right? What he does will will play at that level. So I just remember giving him a, a handshake, giving him a hug, and saying, Hey man, this is I, I'm just so happy for you. I I couldn't be happier for anyone. And for you to come to our dealership and be a part of, you know, do what you did here. Like I said, being a, almost like a good umpire, no one knew you were here. Because you were so good at what you did, right? And I think, I mean, obviously, you're pitching for the Red Sox. You're going to be seen, right? But you know, Carrot, he doesn't want to be seen. He wants to get his job done, uh, do what it takes, go home, see his wife. He's just, just he's the all-American kid. It's, it's real. It's a, you know, you hear about kids like that or people like that, but I'm, I'll tell you, it's all real. He's, he's authentic. So before I get into like you break like breaking down his pitching, which I am interested in because, like, you saw him at UAB, right? And right. this is a kid who, listen, he was still talking to Michael Walker this spring about learning the changeup, and he's clearly a kid who always wants to learn. Before I get to that, like, you talked about him being a porter. So I'm trying to envision, like, what, what – I can't – now I have to call him strike zone, like, every time. <laughs> by the way, Friday, absolutely, hey, strike zone. Hey man, I, we, we have to develop that as like oh, Red Sox Nation oh, needs to start co- like calling let's them. Oh, right. So, so Chris, if you can just sort of like paint the picture of like, because I, I don't know what a porter does. Like, so what he shows up, like, what what is his job? So, we have a uh, people come to our lot and they want to test drive cars. So, we've got a set of guys that the front, uh, the girl at the front desk will just say, uh, Hey, Garrett, I need this bin, this bin, this bin pulled up front for these customers. It, like a valet, he'll get those keys, run to the car, pull them up, uh, make sure, you know, all the tires are right, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, set it, hand the keys to the customer, maybe answer a couple questions, uh, you know, and then, I mean, but we're doing that nonstop. You know, if he's working on a Saturday, he doesn't stop. He's just running around, almost like a valet. Okay. Uh, and then when he's not doing that, you know, he might be washing a car or cleaning the front or, you know, just, just like a porter. Well, well, one of the things, you know, one of the things that they, they keep repeating uh, yesterday, uh, last, last year was that he was like, you talk about, you want your daughter to marry this kid, right? Like that, not your daughter, but any daughter, to marry right. the ideal human being. And they said, and I remember the players kept saying he's the ideal rookie. 
like he's the ideal rookie, like like mouth closed, ear open, bringing the beer on the plane. Like basically, yep. those, that's the big three of being an ideal rookie, right? <laughs> right. right? But it, so like the, I, I can envision like with how you're describing him, like this is the same guy, right? This is the same, same guy, guy that they were introduced to. Same guy. He's authentic. He's real. He means it. You know, even though he doesn't show his emotions a lot, you know his heart is full, right? That's exciting. That's cool. I mean, I'm 46 years old. I've seen a lot, you know, coming through baseball, athletics. I've been athletics my whole life. So, you know, I kind of grew up watching Tom Glavin. And Tom Glavin was that guy you didn't know if he was losing by 10 or winning by 10, right? He pitched like that. So I kind of respected guys like that, Tom Glavin, Steve, um, John Smoltz, Greg Maddox. So when I watch Garrett, he's kind of a throwback, you know. I mean, he wants to beat you as bad as anyone, right? But he's going to beat you and then tip his cap or shake his shake your hand or just, you know, he's just – he's got his own um, – He's got his own deal, and he, he does it, and he sticks to it, and that's just who he is. So so now I'm going to want to ask you about pitching because, like you said, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guy, 7-foot wingspan, uh, you know, the extension everyone talks about. Yet, I think he was, like, 20th round pick. Um, and, and you know, that, that isn't suggesting that, that there is any guarantees to the major leagues. Flash forward to what we see now. What we see now is – Listen, I don't know what's going to happen with Garrett, but as we sit here right now, he's one of the best pitchers in the American League. So when you watch him, like, what do you see that's different? Like, what do you say? Oh, man, I, I didn't realize, you know, ooh, that's, that was, that's different. Is there anything you as a former pitcher can say, wow, he's really become good at that? Well, what I tell – and I, I talked about this with Josh Hopper, his, uh, his pitching coach in UAB, at UAB. And what, what we always – I said – I don't think anyone understands how efficient Garrett is when you're that efficient, right. To where you can throw three pitches for a strike anytime in the count and throw a 95 plus, you know, I mean, that's hard to do consistently, but three pitches anytime, anytime in the count. And now his change up plays. I, how, how can he not be in the rotation, right? How can he not eventually get there? If he, if he keeps going and he keeps staying strong and keeps, takes care of himself. I mean, I envision this kid pitching a long time. You know, I hope he stays healthy, just like anyone anyone would think of a pitcher, right, eventually in baseball. But I, he's got the stuff that plays. He's got the right mindset, and he wants it. I just – I think he's going to pitch for a long time, and I think you you hit the right, you hit it right. He's one of the best pitchers in the American League right now, and the sky's the limit for him. So you got the stuff. You just mentioned something that I think is really interesting is you kind of slotted him into the starting role. And that's been a big debate up here of whether he should be in the, uh, the relief in the bullpen or whether he deserves to have that, you know, one of those five slots. Uh, where, where would you, if you were Alex Cora, where are you placing him? I would absolutely put him in the rotation. Okay. With his, with his ability to hammer the strike zone like that, I mean, what do you throw? Six pitches in that seventh inning, and then twenty pitches, and struck out Miggy like it was nothing. Well, well mean, extremely efficient. Well, yeah. Well, this is the thing: is that my, my good friend Nugget Palooza on Twitter is great follow. He came up with a factoid that he Garrett was the first pitcher since 1990 to ever win a game by closing it out with four innings of shutout ball while pitching on 40 or under pitches. 
Like, that's since 1990. And I think only eight guys have done it, ever. Like, that's trending in the right direction. Yeah, well, when you got a starting pitcher closing a game out in four innings, that, that's what happens. <laughs> I mean, the kid's got three pitches he can throw for a strike and throws with that kind of efficiency. I don't see how you keep him out of a rotation. And so, Chris, a lot in the last few days, people ask me, you know, we we in Boston, especially, we love talking contracts. We love, and now we're turning the page. We said, well, first of all, and Coop knows this, we're like, yeah, we got an extension. It, you know, it's not Devers, it's not Bogarts, it's not Evaldi, it's not. It's the one that we had no idea that was coming. But you know, to me, the what I've been saying is that. This reminds me so much of when John Lester signed his extension with the Red Sox. This is back going in 2009, where John Lester was a guy who just wanted to pitch. He didn't want to worry about the other stuff. He said, well, you know, there'll be time for that later in my career. This is the first contract. This is my mindset. Like, I'm not going to get into the weeds about, you know, oh, well, what if, what if I make a little bit more here, a little bit more there? Can you talk a little bit about that mindset? Like how, when you heard about the deal, was that what crossed your mind? Like keep this kid, listen, it's great that he could potentially be making over $44 million after a few years here, but it's awesome that he doesn't have to think about it. Absolutely. And conceptually, I understand that he's probably worth a lot more than he signed for. But when I'm Garrett Whitlock and I come off Tommy John surgery and I know that it's in front of me, that I can go and secure myself and my family for the next five, six years. And I don't have to worry about it. And that's enough for him, whatever it is. I can't remember what the contract was, but I mean, it was good enough for him. Um, You know, I don't blame him for taking it all. I mean, again, if I really dove into it, you know, I'm sure his value in three to four years is going to be way more than whatever he signed for. But, you know, to go ahead and take even money at the blackjack table right now and do what he's doing. I mean, I'm so proud of him. So it's hard for me, right, as intimate as I am with him, to to say it's good or bad. You know, I, I guess someone on the side that could that just sits there and looks at contracts all day would say, "Hey, man, just you know, why don't you wait? You could have made a lot more money." I was like, "Ah, I think I think he made the best decision for right now for him, for his wife, for his family, and I think." he's going to pitch a long time and I think he's going to make his money. And I think in baseball, you kind of get paid in the rears anyways. So, you know, Godspeed to him, right? Uh, I, I totally agree with you. And I have to ask, has he ever bought a car from you? Like, yeah, you know, he's actually in the top. Oh, all right, right. All right. There we go. All right. Listen. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Uh, first of all, the, any NIL deals here for Donahue, uh, you know, for the, you, you know, the, you, the college thing that's going on now. Right. Not we've got some in the mix. We don't know. All right, let's, do go. let's go. Um, we don't know yet. But but with with Garrett, he bought a car. Number one, what did he buy? Number two, be honest. What type of discount did he get? <laughs> <laughs> Garrett is in a Tahoe and we have we have some cooking with him. So we want him <laughs> oh, to drive. There we it. Go. Oh, here we go. Yeah, we want him to drive it, show it off. Um, but hopefully we have him as a longtime customer. And now that I know what he makes, it's going to be a lot easier on the deal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is there going to be an Academy Award in the mix there? Is he, is he Uh, good enough of an actor? I don't know. I don't know. Garrett might not be the guy that wants to do that, but (laughs) you know, Hey, just to be able to say, Hey, Garrett's driving one of our cars. This kid's gold. 
that's enough for us. Listen, there, he's already dived into a lot of controversy on this podcast. Him and Tanner Houck have gone back and forth. About- so I was about to bring that up because oh, yeah, you, you brought could, up the whole Porter thing. On this. You might be a little... You might be. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to win this. I'm, but the uh, when you brought oh. up that he would run to cars, I, I'm wondering. You've seen oh, him run. Great do point. you do you think that he has what it takes to beat Tanner well, Houck so, in a race? Yeah. So let me let me add some context. <laughs> add, add some context to this, Chris. Is that so? Garrett was on the podcast. When was that? Coop like January. That was. I mean, we were still in the thick of the lockout, so that yeah, had to be late not, January. Yeah. So. And he just like, we're talking about, I forget how it came up, but he's like, I can absolutely be Tanner Houck in a race, in a race, you know, like maybe we're talking about how athletic. I think we were talking about like chess and who he was most competitive with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he said, <laughs> I can be Tanner Houck in a race. So we tweeted out and everything. And so Tanner, like, I want to go on the podcast. Like, I want to like, I asked no he wanted to Tanner wanted to make his case on the deal. and Right. Exactly. Yeah. I can beat him in a race. So Chris, I, it was after I saw you in Fort Myers. I saw the opportunity clubhouse open. Those two are sitting there. I'm like, all right, guys, gather around, gather around. We're doing, we're doing Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. Hi, <laughs> go, let's go. But it's funny though, because we, I broached this. It's a fun conversation, which I, I literally probably coop. Like, I don't know if people you've talked to. It's like a 50, 50 split because different sort of like mannerisms and body types, like Garrett's thing, like people come back to, Oh my goodness, that stride. That stride will like for 50 yards, they'll take over. Oh yeah. But Tanner Houck is like the quick tip twitch muscles, maybe a little bit more. But now, now we have some great insight because you've actually seen him run from car to car. What do you think? I think the kid can fly now. <laughs> um, and, and he's he's proud of that too now. So I, I don't know Tanner Houck as far as you know what his gait is or his speed or whatever, but I, I might have my money on Garrett on that one. <laughs> well, a little bias there, but we'll we'll take I mean, the it's insight. Biased. It's biased. Yeah. It's biased. Oh, I, I look at it as a science. I mean, you listen. This isn't just like hey, he's my friend. I'm gonna say he's fast. You've actually seen him run. So. Absolutely, and he runs, and that's on pavement and grass. So he can. I, I, I think there we go. <laughs> and probably all terrain. And, and, and by the way, probably in khakis. So he's like, absolutely. Sometimes they wear shorts, but I'm pretty sure in the Christmas time he was in khaki. All right. All right. Well, Coop, you got anything else? Yeah. One question. One more question. Um, so you look at what Garrett has in the arsenal and I'm wondering what pitch would you take from him and you might put into your career uh, when you were younger? Oh man, I was a soft left-handed thrower. So I had a pretty good hook and I could surprise someone with the inside fastball. I'd take anything that Garrett had. <laughs> I'd take a few more miles on my fastball. But, man, I love his changeup. I think his changeup from a, from a baseball purist like myself, his changeup is probably his most efficient pitch because that's going to be the pitch that, that uh, gets the most quick outs. You know, the four-pitch innings, the six-pitch innings, right? The first pitch, fly ball to center. So, I mean, for me, as, a, as, a, you know, as kind of a baseball purist, I don't want to be able to throw that so I don't have to throw as many. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, hey, if it's good enough for Pedro, it's good enough for everyone else. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's legit. And it's amazing that, you know, and I know that he probably threw some version of it before, but certainly, you know, he, when he came to camp, you know, he wasn't what it became, you know, and he talked a lot about Andres. And like I said, like I looked at like what he did this spring talking to Michael Waka said, yeah, you know, hey, you had one of the best changeups in the American League, but I'm going to make it even better by talking to this guy. So that's pretty cool. 
Who uh, who was your manager in Lowell? Uh, Dick Berendino was our manager, and Dennis Rasmussen was my pitching coach. Okay. And me and Rass, we still we're tight as can be, and I talked to him, and uh, it was just a great relationship we've had over the past twenty years too. Did you ever eat the Gator Pit? The Gator Pit. So is the that Gator in Lowell? Pit is where they have the barbecue out and back. So, so basically, basically the uh, since I, I worked at the Lowell Sun way back. Okay. And so what I would do before I went to the office is I would pretend I was covering a game and mediate for free. So, okay. <laughs> so, but yeah. Well, look at the, the, um, I forget what it was called. It was right off the Merrimack river. And it was, um, it was the first year of the state, the stadium. Yeah. The first year. And it was yeah, yeah. packed. Yeah. Oh, Every yeah. game. It was fun, man. We had a blast that summer. Who did who did you play with anyone who ended up being Adam Everett was our first round pick that year. Yeah. And he played half the year with us. Our second baseman, I think, um, Angel, I can't I know he played with the Indians for a couple of years. Yeah. Um and other than that, I'm sure some guys uh, made I, it here. But and listen, there. that was the because Dick Dick Berardino, great guy. That was actually, I remember that was the first year. Like you you were part of history. You're part of history. Oh, yeah. You're part of history in a lot of ways. A, you were on the first spinners team. B, you're you basically paid. You were the last person to pay a Garrett Whitlock minimum wage. I don't know what. <laughs> I mean, you could retitle that as "kept Garrett in baseball." That's right. Made sure you can make it from season to season. See, there you go. You were you were one of two people to see Alex Cora hit the deck after being. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'm just glad he's okay. I, yeah, I think no, both he, of us he, were sitting there going. I saw him later that day. I did not mention it in front of the other media. Just for some. Okay. Yeah. But Chris, thanks so much, man. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, and we'll check back with you. Uh, appreciate you really taking the time. Hey, thank you guys so much. Thank. You. All right. Cool. Takeaways. Uh, well, first, Chris is a great dude. Yeah, I, like that's a guy that I, I want to hang out with, like at a game. I would absolutely buy a car from him. Would you? In fact, I might buy a car from him. I don't care. All the way, you're going to drive it all the way down to Alabama and drive it back. It doesn't matter. By the way, we have to get a hold. We have first of all, Garrett Whitlock has to do a commercial for the Donahue Auto Clinic. Yep, and we have to get a hold. <laughs> I, I want a first look. I want a premiere look. I want them to, you know, open it up at Boston Orpheum Theater and show us on a nice big uh, theater screen and just just to soak in his acting chops. Uh, all right. So what, what, what do you got? Because there's a lot to pick through, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, biggest takeaway was just like how incredibly humble Garrett is when we when we got to interview. So he was the first player that I got to interview with. With you on this podcast, this glorious podcast that we do, um, and we do some chatting before and after sometimes with players, which I thought was really cool. And me geeking out and being like, "Oh, players are actually like human people." <laughs> and what I got from Garrett is that he's just like genuinely like a nice dude. And he, like Chris confirming that and straight up saying, "Hey, I would want my daughter to marry uh, Garrett here," and it's just like it's nice to humanize players sometimes because you just throw numbers and figures at them. Like we've been doing with certain players with the Red Sox recently. So it's good to hear the good, like the nice side of them. The second thing is how confident he is in himself, because I just said how genuine he is of a, like a nice person that you wouldn't get that. He's going to like, you know, MF you to death if he's not going to win because I, you got to be a competitor to hit that level. 
mm. of like playing in the bigs. And he's just like excelling at it. And when he was down and I asked that question of, hey, was he dejected at all? And Chris was like, yeah, he might have been sad, but like he has that mentality. You know, that, you know are you sad? Because he was limping around with a bad arm. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, I, I love that. He's got a bum hip or a bum I, knee. I, and, no, no, I love that. Like they, like they took the ligament from his hamstring. Hamstring. Yeah. And so. then uh, what's the dog's name? We need the, oh, we need Chewy, the dog. Chewy, yeah. Chewy? Chewy loves some good Tommy John talk. Um, but um yeah i mean like that was like getting to hear how players react to like injury news is always interesting to me because these guys are competitors and at the end of the day they want to beat you into the ground and if their body's holding them back from that mm. like there's nothing you can do about that and it's interesting to hear how they cope with it i just love i mean it for me it was very simple it was you know i i couldn't i couldn't do it i couldn't come out and just flat out and say how much did you pay him We'll just assume it was minimum. Yeah, wage. I, mean, I mean, I said that to you earlier. I'm just like, it's definitely minimum wage. And if he's like, if hearing Alabama, his job description, and so in Alabama, if like Google, do a quick Google, what's minimum wage in Alabama? So I get I, some I keyboard ASMR here. I wouldn't. I would imagine that it's not the same in Massachusetts. So really, it wasn't surprising to me, like the image that he gave. But I love that image. I love the image that he gave of. When he was at the car dealership, he was like an umpire. You didn't notice him. And like this Strike is zone. The, this is the yeah, well, that was the other part about it. So this was the exact guy that everyone was talking about last year. He was the perfect rookie. Well, as it turned out, he was also the perfect porter slash rim washer, car washer, whatever. You what, name it, he did it. He he got it done. Detailer. And on top of it, you know, at a place, when you go into a place and you're a part-time worker, that you're doing a good job. You know how I know? When how? you get a nickname. Yeah, that's when, true. When you Otherwise, get a nickname. When you get a nickname that people are, like, happy to announce. Yeah. I mean, you. I'm sure you've worked with people where you give them nicknames and you say it hush-hush. Yes. Uh, uh, strike zone. We got a... Uh, we got a... Uh, what are we bringing down? We had a tundra that needs uh, bugs off the windshield. Strike zone. Boom. There he is in his khakis. If I, had someone, if I had someone cleaning my car called strike zone, I would probably feel pretty good about myself and what <laughs> I'm going to get from that. Um, my other thing, though, was the fact that he can, he can run on all terrains. Oh, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, Tanner, Tanner might have to pick his, um, his environment, you know, Carefully, I don't know if we want to give him that option. Well, what we though running done, running's out the window, correct? Yeah, what we should have done because we forgot to ask Chris this because, as we know from the wildly popular uh, press conference held by Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck about their athletic achievement slash accomplishment slash competition, the challenge is, is getting moved. They, yeah, they are understandably especially now that we know he's had a ligament taken out of his hamstring, like there will be no race. Okay. No. By the way, which is a, if we were going to have the race, that's inside information. Oh, for the betters, no ligament in the hamstring. Or at least, okay. But now we, sh we, we, we adjust your lines accordingly. Right. But we neglected to ask Chris who would win and what they are actually going to do, which is a cornhole tournament. So, Missed opportunity. 
missed opportunity. But at least we, I mean, like I, the thing is, is like this hypothetical running thing is still always going to stick out in my head. As great as this cornhole match will be, I'm still going to be thinking about that running race. Mm. I mean, maybe Tanner needs to get locked up with like a four year deal or something. So then we cannot worry about, you know, injuries and just be like, Hey, go for it. You already got that money guaranteed. And, and by the way, I have, I don't think I've delivered a baseballs and boring t-shirt to Garrett Whitlock yet, which I'm sort of glad I haven't because now we can customize it and put strike, strike zone, on, strike zone on the back. Strike zone would be nice. Yeah. Lettering and all. And I like that. I like that. We'll talk to Dakota about that one. See if we can get something, you know, custom built. All right, Coop, this, this finishes baby off. Uh, as we sit here, your day has been a complete one uh, filled of wonderment and uh, enthusiasm. And not enough sunblock. I can tell you that much. Oh, I mean, you keep talking. Listen, wear a hat. Anyway, you were over at Fenway for uh, on the tour representing the Bradfoe show um, on the tour with Mayor Wu and John Henry and yep. Ken Kennedy uh, walking on the field and walking up to this through the stands and eating the free food and and all of that. Give me your takeaways. What's your takeaway? Like, like when ten years from now, Coop, when you when you say, "I remember that day." What are you going to remember? Um, probably John Henry. That was a, he's an interesting dude. Was it? Just, so, so you had never seen him in person before. I've never seen him up close in person. I feel bad talking about him. Like he's like an no, animal that no, I see at the not, zoo, no, but I mean like. Bad. You're just, you know, it's fine. We're not like denigrating him. It's like, no, you would see this. It's like anybody. Like I, I hadn't seen you in person until today. That's true. It was as short as I like, no, you were you were not as short as you you had uh, advertised. Right. Well, I'm average, still five nine, so I am. Like, you are the epitome of average height. I'll take that. Yeah, which I mean, if you if you had a Tinder profile, put Uber rating. Used and, to, used to the ladies used to oh, hit okay. the. So that's what I've always said. Uber rating and a quote, and your quote will be the epitome of average height. So there you go. I'll take that. I, I think I used to put like uh, this was freshman year pre pre girlfriend. Uh, I used to put like, I, I can unicycle or something. I, I needed like something that, that I could code? stick out with. No, code? I mean, I can seriously, un- I picked up unicycling in middle school. Cause I was like, it'll help me with my balance for like pitching. So if I feel like there's some way we should leverage this and like, if maybe if you can no. do a lap around Fenway on my unicycle yeah, while doing a podcast, we, so wow, we, dude, that's doing too much. No, no, we did, uh, a couple of years ago, we did, we had the, um, I call them the rickshaws, but they're the. Uh, the yeah, they're the, the, rig- the pedicaps. Yeah, the pedicaps. Yeah. We did podcasts in those. It was podcasts and pedicaps. I'm sure that sounded lovely going over every bump in Boston. It, it did. The sound quality wasn't great. Uh, yep. but the visuals were awesome. All right. We can, we can get that going. But my other takeaway, yeah. not so much distant future, uh, but re- like right now in the present, Club Fenway is going to be going off. Yeah. So I noticed that they have the first thing you have to start with. If you have any lights, you have to make sure that they change colors. Change colors. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what they got. They got the truly sign. True. Was it Fenway Truly or whatever? No. No free ads unless Truly does want to partner. It kind of is like it'll be interesting to see if the the nine dollar demographic sort of drifts is able to drift up there. So like like in Miami that park. In left field, they have the Clevelander. A Clevelander is a club on my in Miami Beach, right? 
So okay. the Clevelander is like part, they basically had an offshoot of the club in left field. And I think it starts opening up in like the fifth inning. And I always remember like Cody Ross standing out there, like with, with, you know, people dancing on tables in back of him. Like, I wonder like what you, that- you, you as well, Miami, Rob, Miami, Miami, Rob hitting the dance floor. South beach, Rob. Yeah. South beach, Rob. It, that basically is what that is. It's like, I unbutton my shirt, one button. And, and you have two Coronas. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But, um, but you know, you go up to the right field roof, you know, where you've been up there. Yep. It can get a little spicy up there. I would imagine. Right. I, so those tickets are like, they're pretty expensive. Yeah. I mean, you always see people making the beer pyramids there. So you, and I'm so sure you think that the, the truly the club Fenway up there, it won't be, it will be like the, the hoi ploy, the well-to-do. I think the second level might be, I think that first level where you come. So for people that haven't seen it yet, you come right up the bleachers right behind the bullpen and there's a bar right there now. Mm. And it's a nice looking bar, but I have a feeling it's going to start matching the, the, the whole concessions down below Yeah, because you're getting the bleacher creatures. Yeah. Well, I really miss the Dunkin' Donuts billboard. Do you? No, the weird bench that they had out there yeah, and they would throw yeah, like yeah. small charities. <laughs> you basically, you basically replaced a billboard and a bench with a club. So yeah, I mean, like you took like I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do with like the lesser known charities that they put out on the bench now, but they'll invite maybe them they'll. To the club. All right, go. all right, good job, excellent job, great app.